St. Paul of the Cross, his role model, the crucified Lord. Before we tell you of the miracle of the cross in St. Paul's life, we need to introduce you to a saint who was mystic, missionary, director of souls, and founder of the Passionist. He was a saint whose book was the crucifix and his role model, the crucified Lord. We have researched and written about Passionist for the last 10 years, including St. Gemma Galgani, St. Gabriel of the Soros, and Blessed Father Germano, who was the spiritual director for St. Gemma. But it never occurred to us that these holy people were following in the footsteps of a holy man who had to be very charismatic. St. Paul of the Cross was all that and more. St. Paul of the Cross was born Paul Francis Danay on the 3rd of January, 1694, the second of 16 children. One of his brothers, John Baptist, will be very instrumental in the work our Lord had chosen for St. Paul. His parents, although of nobility, were neither affluent nor privileged. Even though the town hall at Castellasso had once been the family palace, St. Paul's father, a cloth merchant, was always in serious debt. Because of the financial situation, St. Paul had to discontinue his education at a boarding school. At one point, things became so dire, St. Paul pawned all his belongings to help his father avoid disgrace. This was a great sacrifice for someone in Paul's position but he prepared him for giving up far greater things in the future and for receiving great gifts in return. St. Paul was brilliant. Although deprived of a formal education, he studied on his own and completed his education through hard work and dedication. Industrially studying, he developed a profound knowledge of the New Testament, a command of the Italian language and a proficiency in Latin. Never compromising his love for the faith, St. Paul attended daily Mass, received the sacraments frequently, and spent as much time as he could before the Blessed Sacrament. This gentle but strong-willed youth would become Paul of the Cross, founder of a religious order, barefooted clerks of the Holy Cross and Passion, the abbreviated form of which was the Passionist. There was a good reason for that title. He told the world who and what he was, passionate for the cross of Jesus. There is a tradition that when he was a child and became irritated or annoyed and began to cry, his dear mother would show him a crucifix and speak softly about the passion of our Lord Jesus. Little Paul would stop crying, but the tears continued to run down his face. Only now it was not because of the reason he began to cry in the first place. Now the tears were being shed for the suffering his Savior endured for Paul and all of us. Paul was born at a critical time in the history of the world. There was crisis and chaos, wars being waged, elements finding their way closer and closer to the seat of his church, Rome. The Turks were taking over more and more of Europe, and wherever they conquered, they persecuted Christians practicing the faith. He became against the law, with a penalty of imprisonment or worse, execution, if caught practicing the faith. But when the church is under attack, God raises powerful men and women to defend his precious jewel. Right from birth, St. Paul of the Cross was destined, no, chosen, to serve and save the church. 
As we were saved by Jesus on the cross, so by his devotion to Christ crucified in his passion, St. Paul of the cross will be an instrument to save the children of God. You might ask, how did he save the church? Did he do battle? Yes, on his knees. He took part in the passion, sharing with his Lord his pain. He scourged himself in imitation of the wounds inflicted on our Lord. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. Although St. Paul began his devotion to Jesus crucified from the time he was a baby, it would be a homily he would hear at age 11 that would seal his vocation. As he listened to the priest, he began to grieve because he thought he was not cooperating with God's bountiful grace. He made a general confession and began his walk of suffering and sacrifice. He started to sleep on the ground. Rising at midnight, he prayed hours on end. Then, in imitation of the Savior's passion, he scourged himself. His younger brother, John Baptist, soon joined him, practicing the same forms of penitence. In very short order, more young men joined them, some of whom would later enter religious orders. In the year 1774, Pope Clement XI called upon young men to volunteer in the Venetian army and fight against the Turks who were threatening Europe. Desiring to die for the faith, St. Paul, fashioning himself a crusader, joined the army, prepared to do battle. But after serving one year, while praying before the Blessed Sacrament, he had an inner thought, or was it an inner elocution? This was not his vocation. Did the Lord tell him he would be fighting a different battle, not using the weapons he thought, but the cross and the gospel? He resigned his commission and received his discharge from the army, whereupon he spent some time in Venice before returning home to Castellasso. After long hours meditating, he discerned that a life in the world was not where he could best serve the Lord. He relinquished a large inheritance and future married life to spend years praying endlessly to discern God's will. St. Paul has the great vision which will determine his life. The summer of 1720, St. Paul was to get his answer. He had what he called the great vision. A black habit appeared with a coat of arms on it, embossed with a heart bearing the name of Jesus, spelled out in white letters, and a white cross appearing over it. Then, in the third vision, Our Lady appeared wearing the same tunic. She told him this was the life he was to lead, a life totally dedicated to Jesus crucified. Further, he was to form a congregation with members who will wear this tunic and mourn without ceasing the passion and death of her beloved son. Always obedient to Mother Church, St. Paul submitted a scrupulous detail of what had transpired during the visions to his bishop. After much consultation with several spiritual directors, including St. Paul's former director, and in view of the pious life he had led since childhood, the visions were determined to be from God. St. Paul received authorization to follow his vocation, and the Bishop of Alessandria vested him for the first time with the black habit of his visions, but not without the caution he was not to wear the emblem before receiving approval from the Pope. 
it was time to start drafting up a rule for his company. Under the direction of the Bishop of Alessandria, St. Paul went on a 40-day retreat in a tiny cell in the sacristy of the church in Castellasso, living only on bread and water and sleeping on straw. On that retreat, he wrote his spiritual diary and drafted the rule that is without change, that of the Passionist till today. The drafting of the rule took a mere five days, but it would take years of suffering and rejection before it would be accepted. He knew hope one day only to have that hope dashed into hopelessness the next. It would take 21 years before, in 1741, St. Benedict XIV would approve the rule. On that 40-day retreat, St. Paul had a persistent thought, pray for England's conversion. He prayed for the conversion of England for 50 years and passed on that devotion to those who have followed. He would share, that country is always before my eyes. If England again becomes Catholic, immeasurable will be the benefit to Holy Church. This is the second saint we have written about who felt strongly about England and her place in the church. St. Dominic Savio's dying words for the Pope were, He must not stop taking care of England. God is preparing a great triumph for the Catholic Church here. St. Paul and his saintly brother John Baptist returned to Castellasso. They remained there a while helping local clergy in the small village by teaching the children their catechism and giving missions. Then one day, he knew he had to take his next step to Rome to seek approval of his rule by the Pope. He set out alone, bareheaded, barefoot, and penniless. He wouldn't even allow his faithful companion, his brother John Baptist, to accompany him. As soon as he arrived at the Vatican, he presented himself at the Quirinale Palace, the Pope's residence at that time, but as he had no credentials or letters of introduction, he was turned away. They thought he was a beggar. He accepted the rejection as a sign from God that it was not his will he'd do it at this time. Thanking God for the privilege of sharing in the humiliation his son suffered on the way of the cross, he went to the Basilica of Santa Maria Maggiore, and kneeling before the statue of Our Lady, Salus Populi Romani, he and his brother John Baptist, who had now joined him, took their first vows to consecrate themselves to the memory of the Passion of Jesus Christ. That done, he left and retired to a hermitage in the mountains with his brother. Three years passed, and the two brothers returned to Rome to be ordained. Not only were they ordained by Pope Benedict XIII in the Basilica of St. Peter, they returned to the hermitage with permission in hand to accept novices. It sounds so simple, so wonderful, but when you set out to serve the Lord, especially through the cross, you can count on attacks upon attacks. New recruits found the life too difficult and left. Then there was a threat of war in the air. Benefactors stopped sending aid. To compound the problems facing the brothers, an epidemic broke out in nearby villages. The two brothers worked tirelessly ministering to the dying, nursing the suffering, and bringing sinners back to Jesus and the church. New recruits joined the brothers, and in 1737, 
the first Passionist retreat was completed. The work continued successfully, but not without disappointments and hardships. But through it all, the Passionists became well-known throughout Italy and their missions were in demand. St. Paul evangelized every one of the papal states. Personally, his ongoing theme, the sacred passion of Jesus. Cross in hand, arms outstretched in love, like his Savior, he preached about Jesus' sorrowful passion, his body and face taking on the suffering of his Lord. Each word became a flaming sword piercing the stony hearts of all who were present, and if that did not melt their hearts, seeing the little passionist scourging himself in atonement for their sins and unrepentant hearts, moved even hard-hearted soldiers and thieves to tears, and then to confession. St. Paul was gifted by God with many supernatural gifts. He prophesied future events. Everywhere he went, he brought about healings of the sick. He bilocated, appearing to people in faraway places. During his lifetime, he became known as a living saint. People strained to touch him. They tore off pieces of his tunic to use as a relic. He and his company earned the title Missionaries of the 18th Century. From his first mission at Grazi's Ferry till his last, at 75 years old, in the Basilica of Santa Maria in Trastevere, Rome, he worked and preached tirelessly on the place of the cross in the everyday life of the Christian. During his missions, he involved the laity, invoking them to participate in processions, preaching in the streets, making vigils before the Blessed Sacrament, practicing penitential works in honor of the crucified Lord. He was so successful, the order grew and grew. But of all he did, our saint is best known as mystic of the cross. His main reason for living was to keep alive in the hearts of the faithful the price paid for our freedom from the bondage of sin on the cross. He wanted to perpetuate the cross and the sacrifice Jesus paid on the cross, not as something of the past, ancient history, but of the ever-living, ongoing present. His life, like that of any true ministry, was a dizzying series of ups and downs. Against his protest, St. Paul was unanimously elected first superior general, which office he held until his death. Before his death, he had founded 12 foundations, opened two provinces, presided over six general chapters, and founded a second order, that of cloister passionist nuns. In addition, always in love with the souls of God's children, he took on the sometimes very painful task of directing souls. He wrote over 10,000 letters of spiritual direction and many small treatises on mystical theology. But with the gifts always comes the cross. The cross, O holy cross, can I bear to look upon you? After all, did St. Paul not embrace the cross? Did he not desire the cross? But this, Lord, he was to lose his dear brother John Baptist to the angel of death. St. Paul was inconsolable. They have been more than brothers. They have been linked by their mutual dream of serving the Lord. They were inseparably tied to each other and their mission. He was two years younger than St. Paul. It wasn't fair John Baptist should die first, but die he did, 
and live, St. Paul must do. Now he was to know not only the passion through Jesus' eyes, but through Mother Mary's grieving heart, the miracle of the cross. St. Paul focused completely on Jesus crucified. He spent more and more of his time venerating the cross and the price our Lord Jesus paid for our salvation. He meditated on how much Jesus loved us and loved him in particular. He found himself in tears often, weeping before his Lord in agony. On one of these occasions, our Lord Jesus came to life on the cross. Paul levitated to where he was. Jesus took him in his arms and embraced him. That feeling stayed with our saint for the rest of his days. While he wrote of it, he could never quite put in words the bond, the brotherhood, the love between the Savior and the saved. In memory of the work the two brothers did for Mother Church, Pope Clement XIV imparted on St. Paul of the Cross the Basilica of Saints John and Paul, named after two martyrs of the early church, in honor of St. Paul of the Cross and his brother John Baptist. The new Passionist Order received final approval, placing them on the same footing as other religious communities. They have headquartered out of the Basilica of Saints John and Paul from that day to this. It was time to retire. St. Paul was tired. He was not well. He longed to spend his final days among his brother missionaries in contemplative peace after all his work was done, wasn't it? St. Paul of the Cross was given the house adjoining the Basilica of Saints Giovanni e Paolo on the Sicilian Hill near the Colosseum. St. Paul spent his final days here. He was visited by two popes, Clement XIV in 1774 and by Pius VI in 1775. Shortly after Pope Pius VI visit, our lover of Jesus crucified went home to the Lord he had adored on earth, no veil separating them. There were many miracles credited to St. Paul's intervention in addition to those used for his beatification and canonization. The most noteworthy were the many conversions that came about of sinners who had appeared hopelessly lost in sin, their hearts hardened and distant. May 1, 1853, St. Paul was beatified by Pope Pius IX and then canonized by him on June 29, 1867. April 25, 1880, the relics of St. Paul of the Cross were transferred to a chapel that had been recently completed. Our saint can be venerated there till today. His feast day is April 28th. What cross do you carry? Is it heavy? Is it unbearable? Turn to St. Paul and ask him to help you, not to just carry it, but to embrace it. Crave the cross. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply, with your iPhone or Android device, go to the App Store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app, and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel, 
where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN, plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.